some thoughts from the second epistle to Timothy, the first chapter. Second Timothy, chapter 1, reading from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayer night and day greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Louis and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. <clears throat> Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So far. What I have in my heart to share with you briefly in these words, these verses, how Paul is encouraging Timothy. Paul was about to leave, to leave the world. 
and the one who will carry the testimony after him was Paul. How is he encouraging him? Actually, if there was a person who was in need for encouragement, was Paul. All his circumstances at that time was against him. In prison, when we read history, we read that this is the second prison, of course, in Rome, and it was a dungeon under the ground, very cold, and he was thrown there. He was an old man. He has his sword in the flesh. We don't know what was it, but it was something in his flesh. He was worn out in serving the Lord, and now he is in that place. If there was a man who has to be disappointed and discouraged, that was Paul. But he was above his circumstances, above himself, encouraging Timothy, as if he is telling him, continue Timothy. Yes, Timothy was in need of encouragement. And I can say maybe there is many beautiful verses in this letter, in this epistle. But one of the verses that we can say it is a theme of the whole epistle is what comes before us in chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, as Darby, I think, brings it, the spirit of cowardice. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. This, we may say, this is one of the themes of the epistle. Paul is encouraging Timothy to continue to be faithful. Though many are returning back. In chapter 1 we read that in verse uh, 15 this do thou knowest, knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Maybe he was referring to <coughs> Ephesus where he worked and where he explained the work of the, the, the teaching of the assembly and all this teaching. Now they are returning. They don't want to continue taking the reproach of Christ. They are returning from Paul. And he mentions two names, maybe they were leaders of this. In uh, chapter 2, he mentions something which is worse. Chapter 2, he speaks about those who bring destructive doctrine. Verse uh, 16, he tells Timothy, but chan profane and vain babblings, 
for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their world will eat as does a canker or a gangrene. Of him is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Yes, we say that we live in difficult days where many teaching, teachings are uh, attacking true believers. We have faced in Egypt the last two years something like that which was for us new when the persecution of the Muslim Brotherhood has ceased a little bit. Satan came by another way. He came through the wrong teachings and many of the true ones, fishes and people were shaking. Satan is working everywhere. But Paul continues after that and says nevertheless the foundation of God stands sure. Everything that God has founded will continue. Will not be shaken. Now how Paul is encouraging Timothy and encouraging every one of us. Let us look at some items of encouragement shortly. Verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. I can say that this is the first item of encouragement. He says, here I am in my prison, but I, I am the apostle of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. By the will of God, for what purpose? To declare something very hard. The promise of life, which life? The life which is in Christ Jesus. It means the life which we have in Christ as the one who have triumphed over death and he is now at the right hand of God. We, through the Holy Spirit, we have life in him. And that life is inconquerable. As if he says, I'm going to face death, but I have another life and death cannot touch and each one of us has this life. Life in Christ Jesus. Life in him as the one who went to death. And who rose again. And who is now at the right hand of God. I am reminded of a verse that the Lord told his disciples. Maybe in John 14. He says to them. Because I live. You will live also. You will have the same life that I have. How encouraging is this? He mentions also this life in, uh, in verse 10. <clears throat> speaking about the grace that has been shown to us, given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. 
Yes, this is still there, but its power for the believer is abolished and has brought life, this sort of life, and immortality to light through the gospel. So we can say that Paul begins this letter on a very high note, the note of that sort of life. And then, verse 2, we read about the three blessings coming to each one of us from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. We usually read them in the epistles written to persons, to individuals. He says, grace, mercy, and peace. And sometimes we don't stop to reflect a little bit about these three blessings, grace, mercy, and peace. Grace for every responsibility that we have to do. There is grace. My grace is sufficient for you. We all know this verse told by the Lord Jesus to Paul. There is sufficient grace for each one of us in all the responsibilities we are to take. Whether spiritual responsibilities or daily life responsibilities. Not only grace, but also mercy. Mercy. In the book of Psalms, we read much about mercy. And he says there, for example, uh, David in the well-known Psalm, Psalm 23, he says that mercy and goodness follow me all the days of my life. Other psalm, he says, the one who trusts in the Lord, he is surrounded by mercy. Mercy for the danger surrounding us. How many dangers we don't see. But there is mercy. And then the third one, peace. Why peace? Peace for our minds. For the difficulties and the things that make us anxious. I think this is the piece that we read about in Philippians 4 verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving that your requests may be known unto God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding may keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Then, from verse 3 to verse 5, Paul is encouraging also Timothy by reminding him of things in him, in Timothy, to be encouraged. He points to two things. He told him, Timothy, you know, you have a very tender heart. Verse 4, I remember your tears. He was a very sensitive person. We don't know 
the occasion of the tears, we don't know, but maybe he was weeping for the bad condition which he saw because Timothy was serving in Ephesus. Maybe things were bro- breaking his heart and he, he has this sort of uh, sensitive or deep feelings and deep emotions. Others say that Timothy was with Paul when, when Paul was taken to the prison and uh, Timothy was weeping. All these things Paul mentions to Timothy as if he is telling him, Timothy, you have a tender heart. Uh, one of the uh, interpreters says, it's a, one of the important things that believers in the last days may have tender hearts toward each other. And their feelings and emotions not be, may not be uh, uh, dry, but they have the feelings uh, that encourage each us. Timothy was of that sort of believers. And then he reminded him also of the unfeigned faith. When I called, verse 5, when I called to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in the grandmother and thy mother, and I am persuaded that in thee also. What is unfeigned faith? Genuine faith. True faith. Which one examined or passing through any difficulty, it proved it proves itself to be true faith in God. We studied, we thank the Lord for what we have studied in, uh, in the conference about faith and which encouraged us to go and to live. And actually I had a verse that continued with me after the end when the disciples came to the Lord and tell him, Lord, increase our faith in Luke 17, as I can remember. And we need this. Yes, we need that our faith be increased by fixing our eyes always on the one who is the, as we read in Hebrews 12, the author and the finisher of faith. So, Timothy has this unfeigned faith. May the Lord give us also that our faith may be always genuine. And then, another thing for encouraging, he reminded him about verse 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, of cowardice, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What are these three things? Three important things that each one of us who wants to continue faithful, carrying the testimony, we need the three things. And these things are given to us by the Holy Spirit. What are they? First of all, a spirit of power. Power for testimony. We are reminded of Acts 1 verse 8. The known verse, the Lord Jesus told his disciples, 
but you shall receive power from above when the Spirit will come on you and you will be my witnesses. And how we need, dear brothers, to pray for this? Whenever we are speaking about witnessing to the Lord for souls or going to certain places to carry the Gospels, we need to make our ministry with power, the power of the Spirit. We read in Acts 4, and with great power, the apostles make the testimony for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Power, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is giving us power. But not only power, power by itself, if it is not controlled by love, can be dangerous. This is why power, and with it there is love. If I have only power, I can feel that I am above my brethren, or I have something special, but power controlled by love. True brotherly, true Christian and brotherly love. And both of them controlled by sound mind, balanced mind. How many times in these difficult days, we as assemblies, everywhere in the world, we face situations and we say, how can we deal with this situation? We need to, to throw ourselves upon the Lord, that by the Spirit, He gives us this balanced mind, how we can do things in the right way that glorifies the Lord and also that builds the souls of others. So, by the Holy Spirit, God has given us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. This is available for every one of us to continue our ministry for the Lord. And then verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God. One has said, We are all <coughs> happy to share in the blessings of the gospel. The gospel brings blessing. For example, as we find in Romans 5, from 1 to 11, the blessings coming from being justified by faith. By, by, uh, faith. We have no less than seven blessings. And we all enjoy this. And also, we enjoy the work of the gospel. But the, this brother, this writer said, how many of us how many of us are happy to partake of the afflictions of the gospel? The gospel not only brings blessings and not only has a work as ministry of the gospel, but also there is afflictions. May the Lord help us and prepare us by our own strength we can do this. 
So Timothy, be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. How? As if Timothy is asking him, how Paul? He was an, a, a person, maybe a shy person, and he has his physical problems, as we read in the first epistle, chapter 5. How? And then he points to him, according to the power of God. We, in the conference, we have uh, mentioned the power of the resurrection, and we read in Colossians 1, verse 11, that verse, if you uh, remember, being strengthened with all strength according to his mighty power for endurance, long-suffering with joyfulness. The power here is the power of God working in us to make us enduring the afflictions, to make us joyful with the afflictions of the gospel. May the Lord help us to have this in our mind. According to the power of God who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And then he encourages him also, verse 12, with his own experience. He says, Timothy, I suffer these things. I suffer now. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Why? <coughs> For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He is uh, pointing or speaking about the ability of Christ. And uh, what a refreshing and uh, encouraging thought. Christ is able. We read, for example, in Hebrews 7, verse 25. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God by him. The ability of Christ. We can't imagine how the Lord Jesus is able. And as much as we commit ourselves. What did Paul committed to him? Everything. Of course, he, he didn't have a family, so he committed his ministry and the fruit of his ministry and everything as if he says, all that I have done and all that I have now, I am committing to this one who is able. We need to to commit everything. Of course, we have families, we have work, we have many things, we have ministry, but the thing that encouraged us much is to commit to him and he is able to keep all things. Finally, 
course, there is, there is many other things, but uh, another thing that encourages is the day, the coming day of rewards. He speaks here in this chapter twice up about that day. Verse 12 I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And verse 18 speaking about Onesiphorus the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And it is repeated a third time in chapter 4, speaking about the crown that Paul will receive, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord shall give me at that day. What is that day? We live in this day, this day. And in this day, men have their words and men have their evaluation. But Paul didn't put his ears upon this day, but he was always thinking about that day, the day of rewards. May the Lord also help us to uh, have this before our eyes. There is a day coming, not only the rapture of the uh, church, but also the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ, where all even simple things, all faithfulness. The Lord is seeing not, all, not only what we do, but He is seeing the motives. And every small thing shall be rewarded. May the Lord use these words for our encouragement. Amen.